Hello and welcome to Lioness Podcast with your host, me, Jane Lyon. If this is your first time listening, it's such an honor to have you here. Welcome. Thank you. And if you're returning, I'm so happy you're back. You have no idea what it means to me that you are willing to spend your time and energy and space with me, letting my words get into your head. So, uh, just having such a nice Saturday, such a nice Saturday. I got up and usually first thing on Saturdays, I mean, isn't this, I'm noticing that everyone I know is a dog person. Isn't this the life of having a dog? Like, when you wake up, the first thing is taking care of your dog. (laughs) And on Saturdays, we try to just get right up and take him up to one of the, you know, many amazing places to hike and take your dogs in Salt Lake and get him all tired out for the day so that we can, you know, relax afterwards. So we went up to Bonneville and just did the quick loop up there. So fun to just watch him run around and be free, get some sunshine first thing in the morning. And then I got back just in time to teach a little yoga private on Zoom, which is always fun. I have a the my Saturday morning client. He's he's a good friend, so it just feels like me and my buddy are getting together to do yoga together and I love that feeling. Um, and then I after that I, I stayed where I was with my setup and I filmed a little um, chakra meditation for a little freebie that I'm giving out um, on Monday, so tomorrow after this releases. So you can find me on my IG and get that if you want. Meditating on the chakras, quite simple, quite simple. Yeah, and then I decided to get ready to record my podcast for this week. Um, But my space felt a little bit disheveled, so I took some time to tidy it up. And uh, then I, now I feel better. Now I can sit here and relax, you know? So let's, let's just get started with a few breaths here. No matter where you are, if you're, if you're driving, if you're on a walk, if you're just hanging out, listening, or doing something, let's just breathe in for four counts and breathe out for four counts. In, two, three, four, exhale. Two, three, four. In and out. In and out. In and out. In and out. One more in and out. Ah, beautiful. That feels better, right? I feel a little bit better. Something I've been doing lately, um, just to kind of help myself study during the day. Not really. I mean, it's a way to meditate, but um, just touching your each finger to the thumb. One, 
two, three, four, one. Touching the fingers to the thumb. Um, in Kundalini, that would be like Satanama, Satanama. You could give a little mantra. Satanama, true self is what Satnam means. And, and here we are starting this podcast with a little meditation teaching. Um, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm going through one of those times where I'm needing my own teachings and my own medicine and my own tools more than ever. I am in the middle of the, the biggest program I've ever launched, Devotion, The Life of a Yogi. And, um, you know, to get to those levels, to bring yourself into the next steps that feel so bold and scary you really have to do the work on yourself through those moments. Spending a lot of time in meditation, observing the fears and the doubts and the unworthiness coming up and constantly relinquishing and relinquishing and, and breathing through it. And I read something so great. Ah, this, this book I've been reading, it's called The Big Leap um, by Gay Hendricks. And he quotes someone else in it. I forget who he's quoting. Ah, I wish I could remember. But it says, fear is excitement without breath. So, so think about this. Like when you get really fearful about something, it's like all the oxygen leaves your body and you kind of stop breathing for a second. And, and when you're not breathing, your, your body freaks out. <laughs> so when you feel that fear, what would happen if you breathe into it the way that I was just teaching you with those four counts in and out? And you start to... Breathe excitement into that fear and you start to change that fear into, oh my gosh, I'm becoming the person that I want to be. I'm conquering my fears. I'm outgrowing my insecurities. I'm stepping into that next level of me. I'm taking a quantum leap, you know? You know? <laughs> so, yeah, today I, I kind of wanted to... Um, talk a little bit about my, my background as a yogi and, and how I got here because we're on episode three now um, and I still haven't really shared much about like who I am and I like to think that I try not to get too wrapped up in my own stories and my own melodramas um, but at the same time I know I have a lot of stories to share and it's also nice to know like if I'm one of your, say that I'm your teacher or I'm your coach, um, you know, or I'm just someone that you follow on Instagram, maybe you have some of my meditations, maybe you've taken some of my workshops. It's kind of nice to know what, what my background is, right? Like, where did I come up with all of this? <laughs> I had to have learned all of this somewhere. So, uh, let me take a sip of my tea. So I'm just going to share my yogi story today. We'll see how long it takes. We might even need a part two, but we'll see. I'm sure I'll kind of fast forward through a lot of it, but I was lucky enough to have a mom who took me to yoga as a kid. Um, my mom was a dancer for her whole life, most of her life, I guess. Um, 
and so she was kind of I, I don't know, I think that uh, dancers are mostly very aware of yoga. They're a lot more aware of movement modalities than like the average public. And my mom was also kind of a gym rat. My mom went, my mom goes to the gym every day. And so um, her gym was offering kids yoga on Saturdays. And she was, of course, like, this is perfect. I can come to the gym and I can bring Jane to this thing that I know she'll love. Like, I... As a kid, just when 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 we would go to like the CD stores, right? Um, I think of like Barnes and Noble, the upstairs. Where else would I go? I can't even remember. Where would we go to buy CDs? <laughs> but I remember I would always want to go find that tiny little corner that says meditation CDs and try those ones and like test those ones. And I would ask my mom for them. Like I would want that that meditative music. That's like the earliest memory that I have of being curious about this kind of stuff. But, and I think I, I must have been like eight years old. At least that's what I've been saying for so long. And <laughs> Bruno and I were having this conversation on our hike this morning how most of your memories of your childhood, like they're not entirely correct. <laughs> I, I hate to tell you this, but... Um, we, it's so interesting, it just reflects back like this, this belief, this, this universal truth that we're all so living in our own realities because sometimes our memories don't even match what actually happened. There's a really good episode, um, The Mind Explained on Netflix, that's so amazing, so amazing. Um, and it talks about that, that concept that most of our memories are actually quite distorted. Anyways, I'm going to share with you from my very distorted memories. Um, but I do remember this. I, re I remember the gym. I remember the class. I remember the teacher because she ended up being my boss in my early 20s as a yoga teacher, which is crazy. Um, but the thing I remember the most, I remember that the names were all animal names. And I remember that at the end, we would meditate laying in Shavasana and visualizing that we were laying on a beach and that we were like the, the waves of the ocean would eventually come and pull you in and then you'd go swim around in the ocean and see the animals like I remember this so well and just being like that was dope I want more of that so you know it's not like as a kid I was like oh mom I'm serious about this yoga stuff it just kind of was what she would take me to do if she went to the gym on Saturdays. And um, and at some point, I really don't remember. Like, I remember my first yoga class as a kid. I don't remember. I'll have to ask my mom. I don't remember when I was old enough to go into a class with her. I, I don't remember when it was. But eventually, I was old enough um, to start going into classes with my mom. And we would just always do yoga together. And once I got old enough to drive, um, I actually started taking my practice a lot more seriously because in high school I was, you know, I was a cheerleader and um, I had a pretty big history in dance and um, and I don't know why I think that that's related. Um, I what I'm what I'm really relating it to is when I was 15 or 16 is when my like mental health, I think when it really started to decline, when things started getting really, really tough for me, that was kind of like 
when I started feeling this kind of darkness coming in, um, which we will save for a completely different episode. And, oh, you know why I related to this? Because as a cheerleader, I got a free pass to this gym called Excel. And so I would go to the yoga classes there three days a week um, because I had a car so I could go to yoga classes there. And then as I got more and more into it, my mom and I would be checking out more and more studios, finding more teachers that we really liked. Um, And then I went off to college. And yeah, I'm thinking about high school. Like I wouldn't say that there was like one teacher I had in high school that really stuck with me. I was just, you know, learning what this yoga stuff was and probably seeing it more in the perspective of like, you know, I was mostly going to gyms to practice. There were a few studios we'd go to. Um, And so I was really kind of seeing it as like a workout and something that I was just trying to like get my body to get through. But I do remember having a moment at the Excel yoga class. I really liked it. She would turn all the lights off. Like, I feel like she did a good job to make it a deep experience. And she taught us about just counting your breath. And I remember having a moment one day in class where I realized that I had been counting the whole time and that I was totally focused on just the numbers and I had almost left my body. I wasn't so aware of how difficult it was in my body. And I remember thinking like, wait, that's that's what this is about, you know? So yeah, I remember that was cool. And yeah, so then I went off to college at the University of Oregon and um, my very first friend I made there, when we were registering for classes, she was like, you have to take this kundalini course with me. And I was like, no, my parents won't let me take courses like that. It's so funny to think back on how I like only would take courses that my parents would approve of. And she literally grabbed my laptop and signed me up for the class. And I was like, okay, secretly like, yes, thank you. Um, I had no idea what kundalini meditation was, but it was in the gym. And that was my first introduction to anything. Oh my gosh, this woman. So in Eugene, where the University of Oregon is, Eugene, Oregon, um, I'm sorry, I had to specify that the University of Oregon is in Oregon. Um, there's a pretty big Sikh community there. And Sikh is, I mean, I, I don't have a great definition off the top of my head. It's an Indian lineage, religion, um, tradition based in yoga, and they practice kundalini. And they, they wear all white. You usually will see them with like some sort of white turban covering their hair. Um, that's kind of how you can identify um, that group of people. And Ah, what a beautiful community they were. It was so special to have them around campus. Um, And so that was my teacher. I wish I could remember her name. Um, But I was just so fascinated by her. I thought she was so incredible. And um, my memories are, it's, God, I wish I could go back. My memories are, you know, taking these very interesting asana seated postures, sometimes doing interesting mudras, um, you know, use, putting, the, putting the hands into different positions. That's what a mudra is if we're talking about the hands. 
Um, that's where I learned Sata Nama, that tapping on the, the thumb to each finger, Sata Nama, Sata Nama. It's where I learned how to meditate on the chakras, and it's where I learned chanting for the first time. Wow, I haven't thought about that class. That class really influenced me. Because it wasn't exactly like I was having this incredible, like, I have found my practice experience, but I was starting to tap into some of that. I was starting to tap into the subtle body, and I was starting to see what yoga is from a different level. Because this, this is yoga, right? Um, but there was something in me that was like, this isn't exactly what I'm looking for, but I'm loving learning about this. This is definitely leading me towards whatever it is I'm looking for. You know, I was, like, like I've mentioned, since I was little, I've, I've been seeking something, some sort of deeper connection. I've always been that way. And um, this, this woman, this teacher, she really helped me get closer. And I remember on the last day of class, she opened up the class to questions and I remember it was the end of the semester and I had taken an Adderall to you know get through finals and <laughs> she opened up the class to questions and I was like overfilled with questions and I was looking around the room and nobody looked interested in asking her anything and I wanted to be like what is wrong with you people we get to ask whatever we want and I just asked her so many questions and I just really, really loved her. Wow, I wish I could remember her name. Anyways, moving on from that, um, I still didn't really feel like I knew how to meditate. I felt like, I felt like if I wanted to meditate, I had to take one of these these postures or do you know like it just wasn't quite resonating. It wasn't quite aligning. But I had learned so much from her, so. When I was in college, um, we also took, you know, um, we could take like regular Western vinyasa yoga classes um, at the gym there. We could take them for college credits, so a lot of us would do that together. Um, but I think what the best part was that whenever I came home, my mom would always get me a pass to whatever yoga studio she was hanging out at during that time. So when I would come home, it would immediately be like me, my mom, and my sister going to yoga classes together. And then, you know, when you're home from college um, in between break and you, like, don't know what to do with yourself, I would be able to go to these yoga classes. And that's when I started meeting some really great teachers. And there's one teacher that really, really influenced me, I would say, the most in my young age. And his name was Bob Hoffa. Um, and he was at this great studio called Metric in the avenues of Salt Lake City. He really, something about his classes and his teachings really helped those, those clicks start to happen, you know, where you feel yourself tap into something deeper. And eventually I moved home from Oregon, and for my 21st birthday, my mom got me a yoga retreat with Bob Hoffa. And it was down in Zion Canyon, and it was, I think, three days, and we did it together, and I was so excited oh my gosh I always say my mother is the benefactor of my yoga career and um, it's true I would not I would not be the yogi that I am if it weren't for her so yeah she generously gave me that like three-day retreat we did it together we drove down um, everyone was actually camping but we got a hotel my mom does not camp 
and it was nice to be able to go back to the hotel alone with her and like hang out in the hot tub and it was just really nice time to spend with her and then we had I think three yoga classes a day um and that weekend I learned so much I learned about the goddess Kali he gave these lectures I connected with all these other young yogis like I deepened my practice so much in those three days and deepened my connection with the teacher and oh my gosh this is so fun to talk through this because I'm now remembering on the last day he had us all circle up and he was he was tearing up and he was starting to cry and I was like what's going on and he told us all that that was his last weekend in Utah and that he was preparing to move to Arizona and I was bummed <laughs> Oh my god, I was so bummed. Like I'd finally found this teacher who meant so much to me and and he moved. He left. So then after that, I was just, you know, of course there's tons of other amazing teachers in town, tons of great studios. I was still doing my thing. Um but it's interesting because that year when I was 21, um Wow, this is crazy looking back. My yoga practice got really, really strong after that retreat. I was really practicing probably daily. I was doing a lot of those yoga challenges. I had made a lot of new friends who practiced yoga, especially from Oregon. Um, those Instagram yoga challenges, we would all do them together, and it actually supported our practices a lot. Um, and then I had a really bad relapse when I was 21, and my doctors wouldn't let me, um, I, an anorexia relapse, I shouldn't just say relapse, assuming that you all know what I mean. Um, really tragic, again, for another episode. Had a bad relapse. My doctors um, wanted me to take a year off from any physical movement. Um, my heart was at risk. It was a bad situation. So, no more yoga, no more school, my, t my yoga teacher left, and it's funny, I don't even remember these things being all connected, but it was all in the same timeline, and uh, I think this is my favorite part of the story, um, that most of you, I think this is the part of the story that I tell the most often. I <clears throat> had been interning at a local magazine and I was just putting ads on Twitter pretty much and I was given a, a note that said Ergen Samten Ling Gompa eight week beginner Tibetan Buddhist philosophy course $50 begins whatever day it begins and I saw that and I just remember reading it like Ergen Samten Ling. Like it took me so long to type that into the computer and get it right. And I was just like, I have to do this. I have to do this. If I can't do anything, like I have to do this class. And it was like the most exciting feeling. I will never forget it. Just feeling so excited. Like I figured out what I'm going to do because... The last thing I needed was to have nothing on my plate. <laughs> like I know I had to rest and like take care of my body so that I didn't have a heart attack, but I 
am a very, I need stimulation. I'm very, I'm very, I don't want to say intellectual, but like I, I need stimulation. I loved being in school. I love learning. I love studying. Um, I needed stimulation. And something told me, just something told me like, this is what you've been looking for. And I think that I should reflect because I did go to a lot of other meditation teachers here in town. Um, when I couldn't practice yoga any longer, I there was this amazing man. Oh, I, gosh, I wish I could remember everyone's names. Um, I think his name will come to me. But he was a Christian mystic. I don't know if he described himself to be that way, but... That's how I would describe him. He had this beautiful space in Sugar House. And on Wednesday nights, people would just fill in to this small room. And there was like a Bible on the wall and a picture of Jesus. And he would just ask us to invite the spirit of God and Jesus into the space. And then we would sit in that for about 90 minutes. Um... So that's kind of what mysticism is when we ask the presence of something to join us in our meditation. And as someone who has always had a deep connection with Jesus, I was raised very Catholic and I, and I had that deep connection, which probably belongs in this story because if every Sunday I was going to sit in this beautiful church and kneeling and in prayer and learning to pray on the rosary... <laughs> Isn't that part of my story as a yogi? Isn't my devotion to Jesus and the Virgin Mary as a young child a part of my story as a yogi? Hmm. These are the kinds of things that I've been exploring, you know? Why, why are those not included? Jesus was a yogi. And that experience of being raised as a, as a Catholic prepared me for this moment when I walked into a Tibetan Buddhist temple. This old ward house, one of the oldest ward houses in Utah, um, on just downtown on the west side, not, not far from anything. It's been there this whole time. Got these gorgeous prayer flags around it and a sign, Ergin Semten Lingompa. And I got there and I opened the doors and it's just these tall, like, ox bled ruds, <laughs> ox blood red stairs with all the shoes at the door and I walked up the stairs and it is this like beautiful radiant gorgeous temple filled with light the walls are this bright yellow color and there's colors everywhere there's like these these tankas these silk hangings that are paintings of all these different deities and Buddhas everywhere. And there's this incredible shrine on the wall with all of these Buddhas. And, and there's, there's rows and rows of seats with drums and bells and, and, and flowers and, and offerings everywhere. It was just the most beautiful place. Like as soon as I walked in, I, I just took a breath and there was just this feeling, like almost this voice that told me like, you're home. And this woman sitting at the front wearing this beautiful Nagpa Zen. It's a red Zen with a white stripe through it. And she's just sitting at the front on the floor welcoming us all in. And that was Jean La, my, my first teacher. 
who was my Rinpoche's wife at the time. And, and, I, and I learned to sit down and, and really activate my senses. And, and, and the way that, that, that we're taught to meditate in that, in that practice, in that space, was, was to be like aware, to see all the colors, to smell, to hear, to, to be present, to be wakeful. And I just loved it. And at the end of that first day, I believe, again, all of my distorted memories, she taught us how to meditate on compassion for others and ourselves. And I remember when I got to that feeling of loving for myself, it was like, it was like there was nothing there. It was like I was gripping at air. And I realized like, wow. I have work to do. This is it. This is it. And that's, that's the moment that really changed my life. That is the moment that really changed my life. I went there every Tuesday night. It was like my favorite, favorite thing to like, I looked forward to it more than anything. Going there on Tuesday nights, sitting with Jean, the, the, the group of students there was getting less and less every week, and I couldn't believe it. I was, I was like looking around. Why aren't people more interested? Kind of like I, in that Kundalini class. Why aren't people asking more questions? Like, this is incredible. This woman is amazing. And, and it was. It was everything that I needed. And at the end of it, of course, we were invited. If you want to start joining the, you know, the next level Thursday night classes, you can. And I was... In. And I remember that next Thursday was my 22nd birthday. And I was there. I was in it. I loved that place. I say it like it's past tense. I still go there, but we have since moved into a new building. And that incredible building is no longer ours. Somebody bought it, and it is like every time I drive by it, the bricks are falling apart. There are weeds growing all over it. It is crushing. And it's something that I try not to get upset about. <laughs> so I devoted myself to Buddhism. And I was given this practice called the Nundro, which is kind of, I don't know. I don't know what I want to say about it. The Nundro is the foundational practice of being a, a Tibetan Buddhist practitioner. Anyone who is in the Tibetan Buddhist practicing lineage, they have probably completed the Nundro or they are working on completing the Nundro. Or they practice some aspect of it at puja or something. And uh, receiving this text, it comes in what's called Pecha, which is kind of a long text and if you see like pictures of buddhist monks you'll see that they usually have in front of them kind of a longer red rectangular text it's called pecha and it's full of all the prayers and script and um, i was given a very very small american english pecha and in the front of it i'm looking at it right now but i won't read it to you in the front of it it has a little note from kempo konjok monom rinpoche who is our master over in Nepal who gave us this, this American, this Western, let's call it, Nundro version um, that's 
was created for us. It's it's really cool. It's 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 an it's a westernized version of the nundro that isn't for a monk. It's for someone like me who I have a job, I have a household, I I live a western lifestyle. I don't live the life of a monk, but I still want to practice. So yeah. Maybe I'll have my teacher on the show someday and we can ask him some questions. I would love to have all of my teachers on the show someday. So anyways, I get this practice to do, right? And um, I, just start, I just start giving myself to it, really. Like I am, I am showing up to these practices. I am practicing the nundro on my own every day. I have no idea what I'm doing. I am chanting in Tibetan. I am trying to get these words down. I have no clue what I'm doing. But every time I sit down and do that practice, every time I go into the temple and sit with the Buddhists, I would leave feeling better. And at this point, I'm seeing a therapist twice a week, a nutritionist once a week, a nurse practitioner every Friday. And the highlight, the very best part of my life is going to this temple. It's everything to me. And I really haven't told many people that I've been going there because it's just that sacred. Now, what do I what do I want to what do I want to share next about this? Because this is my life as a yogi. I was told I couldn't practice yoga anymore, and I found a new way to practice yoga. And my teacher would always refer to me as the yogi, because we are yogis. I was I slowly started to learn Tibetan yoga, and I has slowly started to learn Taoist yoga and I slowly started to get more curious about Qigong and Tai Chi and I slowly started to realize that it's all the same and that all traditions have their own aspects of what yoga is and that I somehow have been blessed enough on this planet to have touched so much of it and to be learning to master these different traditions and I'm so lucky to have a teacher like mine, my, my Rinpoche, Lama Thupten Rinpoche, who I have referenced before, because he's not only a Tibetan Buddhist master, but he is also a Wing Chun and Kung Fu and Tai Chi master. And so he has shown me, like, you can master many modalities, recognizing that, that we're all, they're all the same. And he also would say, you can't ride seven horses into enlightenment. So where is your devotion? And my devotion is always to the Dharma, to Tibetan Buddhism. And my devotion to my body and my spirit and my soul shows itself in different yoga practices, if that makes sense. So I feel really called to share with you the most important thing that this practice brought me. And the, the, the bigger story there, again, another episode is how I realized how painfully closeted I truly was while sitting at that temple in the middle of a two-hour practice. Now, if, you're, if you've been closeted, then you can understand how easy it is to suppress your feelings. If... You've never 
had this experience and it might be hard to relate, but I shoved it down so deep. I shoved it down so deep. And again, this is for a different episode, but the blatant thoughts that I would have, the dreams that I would have, the feelings that I would have, that I just ignored, ignored, ignored as if they would go away. Oh my God, Jane. It's incredible what, what, we, what we can shove down when we just are so afraid to be aware. And this, this yoga that I was learning, the nundro, it just, it just like cleansed my body and my spirit in a way that I just, I can't, I can't describe to you. I can't. It is the most powerful practice I have ever experienced in my life. The way that it transformed me when I thought that I was going to die. This practice found me at a time in my life when I would go to sleep at night hoping that my heart would just keep beating so that I would wake up the next day. And so to see my health turn around so quickly and to be able to recognize in a moment why I was so unwell. It was in that practice and, and it was literally as if my body lifted out of my body and turned and sat in front of me and I was looking at myself and I looked at myself and I said, Jane, you are so upset right now because your best friend is about to go spend a semester in Italy with her boyfriend and you're pissed because you wish that you were there with her. And I'm sitting there going, what does that mean? She's my friend. Of course I would want to go with her. And then I look at myself and I, it was like I stopped myself. I was like holding my own shoulders, like looking myself in the eye. No. It's because you are in love with her. That's why. How can you not see this? And in that practice, like that moment, I wanted to get up and run out of that temple. But there are, what, what is the word I'm looking for? What is the word? There are proper ways to act in a temple in front of a Rinpoche. And running out during practice is not <laughs> the greatest thing to do. <laughs> There's a word for that. I don't know why I can't think of it. Wow, God, remembering all this stuff, it's crazy. And you know, the craziest part was that I had a boyfriend at that time. I lived with him. We had been together for about three years. Again, I'll tell my whole coming out story in, a, in another episode, but that was the biggest pivot in my life. And after that, I went home and I told him, actually. I came out that night. I couldn't hide it anymore. I was so done being so ashamed. I was so ashamed. I was so ashamed. And I was so over it. And something about this practice just unlocked that shame and just like told me to just stop caring and be honest. It taught me to be honest. The yoga of being honest. <laughs> this is a new class I'm going to teach. The yoga of 
being an authentic person and releasing your shame and saying, I like girls, I'm in love with my best friend, I don't know what I'm going to do about it, but I know I'm going to get through this. <sighs> yeah, see, we're almost at 40 minutes. I had a feeling that this, this might be a part two type of thing. But, um, yeah, so things started really turning around for me, you guys. Actually, that's not true. <laughs> everything started to fall apart <laughs> but like in the best way in the best way it was like I started changing you know I started changing like really changing a lot and it was um I don't know that November I started taking the next course my 22nd birthday, that November, or was it September? Oh my goodness, I need to get these dates straight. I decided to take refuge. I decided to take refuge and fully convert to Buddhism. And at this point, uh, you know, a few people knew that I was going to do this stuff, but I didn't tell anyone I was taking refuge, except for my boyfriend, which is for another story. I'm sure there were other people that I told. I just remember keeping it very private. And that night was so exciting. Oh my God, I had been, before you can take refuge, you have to wear a white zen. And I was loving wearing that white zen with my long skirts and I would get all dressed up to go to the temple. And it was like this thing that I would do with myself all the time. Like I just wanted to be there as much as I possibly could. I was just giving my life to it. And and pretty soon, like, I was doing better, and I went back to school, and I started finishing up my degree, and my therapist was like, wow, Jane, you're, you're really, like, you found Buddhism, you're realizing that you're, you're, you're gay, like, you're doing so great, and I almost, I remember my therapist kind of giving me this look one day, like, does she realize that everything's about to fall apart? <laughs> oh my gosh. But that's the beauty. It has to fall apart. It has to fall apart. So if you're listening to this right now and you feel like your life is falling apart, congratulations. That's amazing. Like, when I look back at this time on my life, there was something so libera liberating about liberating about just realizing, like, I'm in control here. Oh my gosh. And I am not following my heart's desires at all. And I've been really, really sick because of it. I've been really, really sick. I was having these episodes. This is what put me in the hospital so many times and why I had to take a medical leave. I was having these episodes where my esophagus would close shut. It would close shut. And it was so painful. I thought that I was dying. I thought that I was having a heart attack and dying. But it would last for like 45 minutes. And by the time I would get to the hospital, it would stop. And they would give me some sort of pain relief. And they would tell me, you probably just had a panic attack. It's probably just anxiety. And again, this is for another story. Eventually, we, we found out that there was indeed very many things wrong, very, very many things wrong with um, my, my organs and my heart and my esophagus. And 
Um, and I was on a lot of medication. That was the cure. Tons of meds. Tons of meds. And feeling high. Like a lot of anti-anxiety medication that didn't help me at all. Um, and wow, like I could just cry remembering like this practice, this temple, the sangha, the people, my lamas, my teachers. That is where I healed, you know, like that place is where I healed. That is where I healed. And I can only imagine what it must have been like for my lamas and my Rinpoches to see that transformation in me. I can only imagine what that must have been like for them. I'm easily the youngest one there by, by many, many years. And I'm easily the youngest practitioner who's ever stuck around, you know. So many people have come to that place. They get their red zens and then they leave and we don't see them again. But that night I got my red zens and I got my new name. My spiritual name is Tenzin Yangchen Tupten. Well, I said it in the Western way, first name, middle name, last name. <laughs> and, you know, once you do something like that, I took refuge in the Buddha. That was it. I took the Bodhisattva vows. That was it. I had a new place, I had a home, I had a family, I had everything. And, and as I was going through that experience of, you know, eventually having to break up with my partner and, 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 and come out and, and do all of those things, I had that place, I had that practice, I had that anchoring in. And as I got healthy again, I got to start practicing yoga again. So I got to go back into the, you know, the Western yoga community with this new perspective on what yoga is and with this new understanding. And my teacher would even remind us, like, you have to take care of your bodies. That's why he, I practice Tai Chi and Wing Chun, because you have to take care of your body, too, so that you can last long, so that you can be a vehicle for the Dharma and for compassion and for the truth. And that really motivated me my mind started to heal, right? My mind started to heal because of these practices. The mental illness I was experiencing was because of my mind. It wasn't in my body. It was manifesting in my body. But it started in my mind. Illness of the mind. And it continued to get worse and worse and worse until it manifested in my body. That the body had to shut down so that I could finally do something about it. Oof. And once I had started to heal my mind and experience that incredible like quantum leap in healing, it was insane. It was insane how quickly I got well. Um, I was able to return to my yoga practices and um, that that was actually the beginning of reconnecting with my physical body again. So the Tibetan Buddhism was really helping me heal my mind. And then being able to leave that place, you know, put on my tiny shorts and my sports bra and go into a yoga studio 
and get into my body, that like formula really, really like, oof, I just started getting really, really well. <laughs> Things started going really good for me. I started healing, you know, I started healing a lot. Wow, it's crazy to reflect on all of that. So I still have so much more of my story to share and we're getting close to the end of the hour. So here we go. Like we're going to make this part one and I guess I'll have to tell the rest of the story later. Yeah, because there's some fun stuff that comes up in this story, you know, like going to Nepal twice going to Thailand, doing my yoga teacher training there, working at a yoga studio. Um, and I mean, I think the funnest part of my yogi journey was that I met my beloved, my Dakini, the love of my life at Ergen Semten Ling. She came and she took refuge and mm, the day I saw her in those red robes, that was it for me. That was it. <laughs> And now I share that experience with my partner and I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I would, you know, I was always the youngest one at that temple. So anytime a young person came in, especially if they were a young, cute girl, I would get my hopes up. And I kept telling myself, like, don't get your hopes up, Jane. You are not going to find someone here. You are not here to find someone. You are here to practice your devotion. Isn't it funny how the universe plays tricks on us? <sighs> so, you know, that's a little bit of, of my background. That's part one of my background. And for those of you who, you know, I just launched this new program, Devotion, The Life of a Yogi. It's a 12-week it's a course on really diving into this stuff of like, what really is yoga, you guys? Where did this come from? What does it mean? What, is, what does it mean to be a Western yogi? Is that okay? What is all of this stuff? What is the subtle body? Because that's, I think, the biggest thing that I've discovered in all modalities is that all of these modalities are tapping into the subtle body. And if you've been practicing yoga for a long time, and if you're a yoga teacher, or if you're a meditation teacher, and you're not tapping into the subtle body, then that's your next step, babe. That's where you really need to start working on your mastery, your awareness, your teachings, your knowledge. Because that is the common denominator of all of this. And that's what my, um, that's really what this program is for. This program is to, to, man, it took me a long time to get to my realizations. And this program, I want to, I want to just give you everything. I want to just give you everything that I've learned about what this yoga stuff is. So that you can just be more confident and embodied in your practice. Go be a better teacher. Go teach more advanced stuff, you guys. Move on past asana. Move on past breath work. Let's do more. Let's deepen this practice. Let's bring more awareness to what yoga really is, you know? Let's really be clear on the history, where it came from. How did it get to the West? Why are we practicing it in the West? What did it look like originally and how much have we changed it? And what do the other yogas look like? Now, I won't be teaching any Tibetan yoga, but I will be giving you some ideas of what that's like because it's totally different. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so, so, so excited to teach you guys this stuff. You know, we're going to get into Ayurveda. We're going to get into some basic Buddhist philosophy. We're going to get into the subtle body and all of the aspects of the subtle body, the chakras, the nadis, 
the values, the channels, everything. I'm so excited to do this with you. So let me finish up here by saying if, if you feel like you're called to join me in this program, get in touch with me. The application is in, you know, I'll put the application in the notes here. But you can go to my Instagram, the link in my bio. There's an application there. And what I have you do is just book a call with me. Just book a call with me. There's a few questions on the application so that I can get to know you a little bit. And then we can get on the call and talk about it. And if you apply before August 8th, you guys, if you apply before August 8th, I'm going to give you a fat discount on the program, okay? If you're worried about payment, we can talk about payment plans. I want to make this affordable for you. And I also want to make it feel like a big investment for you because I want you to take yourself and your practices and your studies and your teachings way more seriously. So I've had a few applications come in and I'm so excited to see the group that's forming for this incredible experience, this incredible up-leveling. Sanctuary is my, is my entry-level program that's just about the chakras and just about that alignment, that basic meditation, all of that. Devotion is what's next. Devotion is for my yoga teachers, my meditation teachers, my healers, my coaches who, who want more soul in their teachings, you know, who want a little bit more background to support others. If you want to be able to guide a little meditation, if you want to do a little energy healing, if you want to learn to, you know, once you tap into your subtle body, You've got your healing hands activated. Your third eye is getting more activated. That's how we get into Reiki. That's how we get into the Akashic Records. So obviously becoming a Reiki, becoming a Reiki practitioner, getting my yoga teacher training, and you know, learning to read the Akashic Records. Those are also all part of my yogi journey. So damn, I've still got a lot more to tell you guys. <laughs> So yeah, uh, devotion initiates on August 23rd. Yeah, you guys, and I'm, I'm just so ready to share this with you. I'm so ready to get this information out. I don't know if this is a program I'm going to repeat. It, there's part of it that feels like it, right now I'm just supposed to get this out and then, and then have it be done with. Um, it may resurface in a different way at a different time, but... Um, what's coming out right now is going to be so unique to this group, you know? So if you feel any inkling, like you feel like you want to be a part of it, like you're supposed to be there, listen to that. Don't ask yourself if you're worthy of it. Don't ask yourself if you're good enough. Don't ask yourself if you're skilled enough. You don't have to know enough about yoga. You don't have to know enough about meditation. Because here, I'm going to get way back to the roots of this stuff. And if you haven't had your yoga teacher training or you aren't Reiki certified, this is going to be a great way to prepare you for those experiences because you're going to go into those experiences knowing way more. You guys, I went into my yoga teacher training so ready because I had, I had studied my little bum off. I had explored the life of a yogi and its depths before I got to that training. And that is what makes me so confident and stable and solid and strong as a yoga and meditation teacher, as a healer and reader. I, I know what I'm doing and I'm confident in that because I'm always learning. I'm always in devotion. I'm always seeing my teachers. 
I'm always expanding my knowledge. I'm always living in reverence for these teachings, for these practices. It's all about having that relationship with a teacher. With a teacher. If you haven't noticed through the story, it's about the teacher and the connection with them. So if you feel any connection with me, it would be my honor to call myself your teacher and have that chance to share this wisdom with you, to take you deeper, to get you out of your asana yoga practice and into your subtle body. And it will support your yoga practice in a way that you can't even believe because that's what I experienced. I returned to my yoga practice with new eyes, with a new inspiration, with a new understanding for what it is I'm doing there. Don't you crave that? Don't you want to feel just a little bit more depth in what is it we're doing here? Because the 200-hour training doesn't even give you that, you know? They just give you so much. They just give you so much. And then you're out there and you're, you've got some sequences that you can teach and you're like, wow, they just gave me so much. How do I digest all of this? This is a great, devotion is a great place to digest all of this information. We're going to do it together. We're going to have question and answers. And, you know, like sometimes I think maybe I'm, I put in too much information. Maybe I should take out some things. But then I'm like, no, people are ready for this. They are ready for more. I just had a memory. A memory. I just had a memory of a friend, an old friend who was a yoga teacher, um, and I kind of was saying how I, I kind of like to teach about the koshas to my students in class, um, because we talk about the chakras. Why don't we talk about the koshas? I think those are way easier to understand. They're way more applicable to our daily life. And she was like, the koshas are only for a yoga teacher training, and I was like, what? Since when are aspects of yoga only for a yoga teacher training? I was a more devoted student before I was a, a yoga teacher. You know what I mean? Like, I was a way more devoted student before I came, became a yoga teacher. And I don't think that you need to go get a yoga teacher training to be a more devoted student. I think you just need to be a more devoted student and find a teacher who is willing to teach you the things that someone said are only for yoga teacher trainings. So... This is my yoga teacher training, okay? That's, that's what this is. It really is. It's everything you're not going to get from a yoga teacher training. Or everything that they maybe tried to smash into 15 minutes that you just did not digest. <sighs> so go to the link in my bio, click that application, book your call with me, and let's do this thing. And if you are a yoga teacher, if you're a healer, if you're a coach... If you're a teacher, a guide, and you want my help in like getting your business off the ground and getting into that beautiful flow of abundance that you deserve to be living in, you can choose a VIP option for this program and get three one-on-one -on -one coaching calls with me to get that business off the ground, babe. You deserve to be thriving. And I could get into a whole rant about that, but I won't because I already did on my Instagram live the other day. So you can go to my Instagram and watch the live and get caught up on that rant. Look at me coming right up on this hour here. Thank you so, so, so much for listening to me today. It is such an honor to share my story with you. It's such an honor to share this space with you. I can, I can feel your presence with me now and 
I really, really appreciate it. it. It means a lot to me that you were willing to give me some time of your day to let me get into your headspace and to share some things with you. So I hope you're feeling inspired and let's just take a big breath in together. <sighs> Good, let's do that one more time, just a little bit deeper. Beautiful. Thank you so much for listening today. You are such a beautiful, beautiful human, so worthy and deserving of this life on earth. And I love you so much.